Hey, this is Eddie from Eddie and the Walls and Phil Connellane from Blackwater Conspiracy. This is the Weekly Howl. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I got a cold. Ah, well, tis the season. Or maybe it's coronavirus. It could be. It could be. <laughs> or Omicron. Or what? Omicron. 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 Or maybe it's Vega. Ve- what's Vega? Well, Vega will be the next one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so tell me. Worst gigs of all time. Of all time that you've been part of. <laughs> Not the ones that you've been to, we'll move to that at a later point. There's so many where there was just no one there. Mm. I can think of a thousand gigs where you're just playing to to zero people. Yeah, that's the one I want to hear about. But I think one of the worst was a couple of years ago in Nottingham when we were playing with a guy from America. Okay. And he his drummer wasn't allowed in the country. Okay. So he was playing everything to... Were a criminal or what? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he didn't have the visas right or something. Okay. But uh, they were playing... So he was playing. He was doing the tour, but with backing tracks. Okay. Ooh, jeez. Which, yeah. <laughs> okay. And, um, so he wasn't really a musician, then. Well, he could play guitar and he could sing, but... He was just, using backing tracks? Yeah, it was, I think just for the drummer bits. What, was he auditioning for Erasure or something? For Erasure, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so he had he had two sport bands on, and I think we were the the headliners. Okay. And uh, he played to you know a few people, and then the next sport band played, and they brought loads of people, loads of kids as well, and they were really good. So it was it was like a nice nice gig for us, you know. Had a couple of beers, and then we went to get on stage, and the band that was on before us left, and all of their friends followed. <laughs> So you ended up playing to no one? I think we played to maybe one person. Oh, shit, yeah. I think he still gave us an encore as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got so many, so many. But one in particular that jumps out at me straight away was the first UK tour that I ever did with one of my early bands. So we're over in England for the first time playing... With an American band, they were the headline band, we were the support band, we were on tour with them. So we were playing, and uh, we, we were going to this place called The Limelight in Crew. It was a particularly renowned venue on the circuit at that point, but there was mm. a lot of tribute bands would have played there, and not so much of an original band. It tends to be that tribute band places don't lend themselves to original Yeah, because they have a regular audience yeah. type thing, so they kind of show up to, you know, it could be a, like a Thin Lizzy tribute band mm-hmm. or an Iron Maiden tribute band. They just go along. So this particular night, it was an original band. And we thought, well, we're going to get a good audience. Showed up. Anyway, sound check was fine. Doors opened. Thought, well, we're on at half seven. Doors open at seven o'clock, so we're on at half seven. We're in, in the dressing room. Thinking, oh, there's gonna be a good, there's gonna be a good audience. This is a good, renowned venue for. Yeah, you expect people. to You be expect there, yeah. people to show up. We walk out on the stage and there's like literally no one <laughs> there other than the bartender. Uh, there would have been two bartenders. Only one of the other bartenders phoned in sick and he was told not to come in anyway because he didn't need him. <laughs> Because there was no one there to serve. Was it like a Tuesday night as well? As uh, yeah, I think it was probably a midweek show. It yeah. wasn't even a weekend show. But that would normally happen at that point when it was like a, a tribute venue. Mm. Because they saved their best audiences for the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, it was that. And so that was one. that There was no one there. And there was no one there for the American band either. We thought they were a big name, but they weren't. You know? But... 
Yeah, because you don't come over to, especially from the States no. to the UK to... You're not going to come over on a whim. You're not going to come yeah. over without um, <laughs> thinking that you're going to kind of claw some of the cash back that it costs to get over here yeah. to do the shows. Especially if no one's at the gig. <laughs> yeah, and if, you know, if they were doing door deals, which they most likely were, yeah. you know, because you're not going to get a guaranteed fee for a band that no one has heard of. <laughs> so that was a bit of a disaster. And to be fair, the most of the tour was like that, other than London, which is kind of you can play anywhere in London on any night of the week. And there's pretty there's much, people there, there's yeah. going to be people there. So I think we played, in London on that tour, we played The Underworld. You've heard of The Underworld? I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a renowned bar in Camden. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everyone's played there. Foo Fighters, Shadow yeah, Crow, yeah. Metallica probably played there <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it, it, for us, playing in London was a big deal. You know, we're, oh, we're playing in London. We're from Belfast and we're playing in London. This is amazing. Even from being, like, in the Midlands of England, mm. everyone still thinks London is the be-all and end-all. So well, it used to know. be. It used to be. To be fair, back in the day, when I first started out, there was LA, New York, London. Yeah. Those were the three, the three, the big three. Yeah. You know, if you ended up playing anywhere in those, you, you, you were doing okay. That was what our thought process. We never got as far as, we got to America, but we never played New York. Never played you did LA. play New York? Never played New York. Really? We played New York State, but not New York City. You know? And that's a big deal. Yeah. But we played London, have played London hundreds of times since, but at that point playing London was, this is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. The, G- the first Jimmy time I, might show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first time I played London, we took a coach full of people. Down to the gig. We were playing in Camden, in Camden and we, yeah, we, we basically said to all our friends and people we knew, so you can pay a tenner and get on this bus and mm. go and have a day in Camden. Mm. And then you can come and watch us play this gig at the end of the day. So we, that, was, that, was, that, that is literally by an audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they, they pay for the bus. Yeah, but you bribed them. Yeah, I mean, sort of. They got a no, day. No, there's no sort of. Them. You <laughs> yeah. bribed them. But, then, but that was a good idea. It was, it was a good idea because good we idea. brought loads of people to a venue. Mm. But it was counterintuitive because all the people who came to see us... <laughs> Other people who come to see us in Derby. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so okay. yeah, it was yeah. a it was a pretty mm-hmm. pointless venture in, in that yeah. aspect, you know. But we, like, I've had plenty of gigs back home, playing in, in bars where there's no one there as well. It's mm-hmm. not just over here that that happened at the time. It happened at home too, plenty of times. You know, I remember thinking, if we get thirty people, forty people to show up, it's going to be a fucking great night. So fifteen people show up and go, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. It was yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. 15 well, people? Fuck. In a small venue, 15 people could be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the size of this room. <laughs> yeah. The size of this room. Yeah, yeah. There are, I have played in venues the size of this room. <laughs> yeah, well, I've played, in, I've played in rooms this size, but it's usually just for me. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Me and the mirror. Yeah. The mirror? The mirror. The mirror. The mirror. Yeah, I could make a film from it. <laughs> there's, there was one particularly bad gig a couple of years ago when we were... I think Eddie and the Wolves had just started out and we, were, we had a sort of a contract with Donington Park where we were... They would have race weekends on. Yes. Loads of people come up. Almost like a festival, they'd watch the race and then in the evening they'd go to this um, this 
it was called like the Garage Forty One or something. Yeah. Because it was forty garages and this was the bar, and it was I would say there was three or four hundred people there. Mm. You know, these these were like big events, and this was a night we had to sort of put together a band to play this gig. Um, so there was loads of people there. We were pretty unrehearsed as it was, and we had quite a big setup. But there was no security at all. Okay. So it was almost amazing because <laughs> almost all amazing. the all the good things that you want were there. You know, loads of people, yeah. free beer all night. Yeah. Get you know decently paid. Yeah. Um, and the crowd are obviously up for it because they've been drinking. Yeah, all day. yeah. And the, the crowd love rock because they're there for the bikes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the no security thing meant that people would just jump in on the stage, shouting down the mics. Actually, like pushing us out the way. Play free road. Yeah, yeah, all that shit. And <laughs> it was honestly <laughs> people banging your gear yeah. off the stage. A hundred percent. It was a nightmare. And then, so my uncle was there with us at the show, um, and he he managed to grab some tables and he, he put them in front of the stage as a barrier. Yeah. And so that's a that's a good idea. Yeah. That's what we needed was yeah, some yeah. kind of barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the audience didn't take that as a barrier. They took that as their stage. <laughs> so then so then we basically had a stage in front of the stage yeah. where they people were just, they were just stood on these tables. Now, yeah. that got even more dangerous, obviously, because yeah. you've got no idea how many people a table can hold. Um, but I'd say you find out. Well, no, the tables didn't break, but they were jumping on the tables and uh, all of a sudden the power went out. Everything went dead. Right. Even in the bar, everything went dead. So it was darkness. Yeah, and, and everyone was like, you know, what has just happened? This is ridiculous. And so we're rushing around the stage trying to find what's wrong. Uh, and the table, had, the table leg was on a plug, like a four-way plug. <sighs> and the people jumping on it had gone through it. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> And trip the whole power system. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that could have turned into a really dangerous situation. It, well, it pretty, pretty much, well, yeah, it could have been a fire or anything. It was, yeah. Or it someone was bad. could have got electrocuted right there and then on the spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm. That's not even the worst part of the gig. Oh, there's worse there's, than that? Yeah, it gets worse. Okay. It gets worse. Let, let's hear that. Well, we managed to plug everything back in, play the gig. After that, everything was kind of fine because they did manage to pull some security up. Right, okay. So it was okay. But, um... We're un- un- unloading our gear into the car, mm. um, and obviously everyone's drunk, but we're sort of behind this bar, so people aren't, aren't really allowed where our cars were, but some bloke had wandered round, and Shah, my wife, was sat in the car. I was in the bar pulling gear out, and he he rolled down the window and he was chatting to her for a bit. He seemed friendly or whatever. All of a sudden, he just exposes himself to her. <laughs> Right. Just like, you know, takes his, takes his kit off. And she is like, what's going on? So he so shouts for us, we all rush out, you know, pushing this guy away. And he's like, no, no, I'm a decent guy, I'm a decent guy. Yeah, sounds like that. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up having to find a security guard and being like, look, this guy, I don't know if he's doing it, it's just my wife, but he, he must be going around to people. Well, he got a lifetime ban. I would say <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> Did he get arrested? He didn't get arrested, no, but there was no police there. It was just security. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, how did he compare? <laughs> You'll have to ask her that. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, well, so, we were talking about worst gigs, so we both had loads of shitty gigs. But my pet peeve, even to this day, is outside steps up to a gig. Ah, oh, 
Huh? Out, what? So not stairs inside, but stairs outside. Stairs inside are pretty bad, but like you know the old steel stair emergency exit ones. Are you talking about eleven in Stoke? They've got. There's a, that's great, man. See, eleven and stick. It's fine, absolutely fine. It's like straight up. It's no big deal. It's onto the stage. So there used to be one at home in Belfast. Is a like it was a proper rock bar. It was called the Rosetta. Mm. It was like really famous, really really cool joint. Thunder played there. Lots of metal bands played there. You know, like fucking corrosion of conformity and right. acid rain you know, proper full on extreme metal bands played there in, back in the 80s and early 90s but the load in was up the outside steps and for whatever reason they were narrow <sighs> okay so they were narrow and there was like two three different levels and for it was always fucking raining <laughs> so it was always slippy so our bass player at the time had this big had a like an, an Ampeg four by ten vintage cab. Yeah, yeah, the the works. The, yeah. and it was in a f- fucking flight case. <laughs> you know, in built in the flight yeah. case. So you couldn't even take it out, you had to carry the whole thing and it weighed like, a serious weight. And for some reason I always got it was always me, Brian, the guitar player in Blackwater, when we were a million dollar, we always ended up having to carry it up these stairs. And it was horrendous. Because there is a way, there is a knack of carrying stuff upstairs, and if you don't know it, it, you can make the job really, really difficult. Mm. So, you know, all the person behind always grabs from the bottom, always. Don't grab where the handle is, because that's only halfway up. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be struggling the whole time. And the other person's got all the weight then. Yeah, but they they, they instinctively know to sort of kind of try and keep the level lower, to keep it, you know, parallel the whole way up. yeah. But this particular night, thankfully I didn't get lumbered with it, but this particular night, someone was carrying, we used to call it the beast, because it was just a fucking beast. Someone else got lumbered with it. We were carrying our shit into the stage, and all of a sudden, we heard, ah! Oh no, it just fell on the stairs. Backways. <sighs> so that's always been a pet peeve. And the, the play on the, on the very last tour we did, there was a couple of shows got cancelled because of COVID and blah, 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 blah. And one of them was in the Birmingham O2 Academy. And I've never played the Birmingham O2 Academy before, but we were playing on the top floor. So I was talking to the promoter on the phone. Going, so what's the venue like? What's is there the, a lift? Is there, <laughs> yeah. Is there access? What is, you know, what's the parking like for the van? And blah, 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 blah. And normally he's pretty good at these things. And I said, well, yes, there is. And it's here. And here's the address. And mm. yeah, there's, there's, there's stairs or there's a lift or it's straight on to the stairs, whatever. But this particular time, he said, uh, I'm not too sure, Phil, which was a red flag to me straight away. I was like, well, surely, you know, you know, you've booked bands. Yeah, you must this. know, yeah. You must know, you've yeah. booked bands there before you've been there. Oh, uh, but I can't really remember, Phil. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, shit, this is going to be good. So before, a few days before the gig, or a few weeks before the gig, I've done a little bit of research. I asked people around and said, oh, that's the horrible loading. It's up steps on the outside. They're real narrow. And we have all four by ten cabs. I thought, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. And when we were, t- we were taking the Birmingham t- crew with us, Collie, yeah, yeah. our driver. We weren't taking anyone else. We were just taking the Birmingham, so we were going to have no help. So you were happy when it got cancelled then? Happy? <laughs> I was going to bake a cake. <laughs> I was so happy. So, yeah, outside steps are the worst ever. You know, you 
that tour, you've got that big rack mm. with all your in-ear monitors mm. and stuff like that, and it's heavy, isn't it? It yeah. fucking sure is heavy. I lift, when I play that gig with you, I lifted it off the stage. Yeah. And uh, I thought, I've got this. That was, it was, that was impressive. That's a heavy dead weight. Yeah, I thought, I, I was quite impressed with myself, actually. I, got, I thought, I've got this. Mm. And I carried it outside, and, uh, and I tripped on the last step. <gasps> you don't know this. No, I don't. <laughs> no, but I tripped on the last step. Did you drop it? I didn't drop it, but I put it down. Heavily. And it, it's on wheels. Yeah. And we were downhill. It started to roll. And it nearly went into the van. And luckily, your <coughs> tour manager, Collie, was stood he behind the van. He told me about that. <laughs> yeah, he was stood behind the van. He told me. And he took the brunt of it. Yeah. And I just went, sorry. He <laughs> said to me, because I, I had said to him about, I said, did you see Ed lifting the rack <laughs> off the stage? And he goes, yeah. I was, that was fucking, like, that's a big weight, you know. Like, Ed's a big, strong dude, but even for him, that's a is, big yeah. weight. And he goes... You didn't see him outside then, didn't you? <laughs> I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, he racked it. I go, what? <laughs> so now I know that's what he meant. Because Collie, you know, Collie's not a, a Collie's not a snitch, so he wouldn't have told me. You know, he, he just wouldn't. He would just go, oh, so you didn't see it there. Uh, it was those. It was you know those old concrete stairs where they've been worn away. Yeah, it was that that kind of dip. Yeah, yeah. And I just just the last one just yeah. got me. But the best, but the funny thing about it is, so we were coming around after that tour was finished. Was back talking to the promoter again, and uh, there was a couple of other venues that had similar. The Hangar Eighteen in Swansea, right? The st- the the stairs are inside. They're quite mm. wide, but they're not steep. But they're difficult because the, the steps are wider apart. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. So you you know your stride has to be a little bit yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as easy to carry stuff up the steps. So anyway, so we get back off tour again. And I'm talking to the promoter. I said, okay, we're going to book another tour for April, May, whenever it is. And he goes, yeah. He says, do you want to use some of the venues again? Uh, uh, yeah, except the ones with the steps. <coughs> and I go, and he goes, no, why? You know, the money's good. The audience is good. What's the problem? Mm. I don't want to be carrying fucking gear. And, you know, before the show starts, I'm, I'm wrecked. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, sure, we'll just get a couple of helpers. What do you mean? Just pay a couple of helpers. No, no, he said, we'll, we'll get that in the contract. You know, there'll be two local crew. Oh, and right. Go, well, why the f- I've done ten tours with you. Why has there never been crew before? <laughs> you know, now you're telling me we can have two. Oh well, you never asked, Phil. I go, you. I'll wring your fucking neck. That's the that's the old man seg- segment of the contract, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Old man, Phil needs a helper. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I think just thinking about dropping that case. I think one of the things that also distracted me was ah, uh, TM was. He was also having a little sick round the corner from... Uh, Dave? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dave, From yeah. too much beer. Oh, was this at the, was this at the Waterloo gig? Waterloo gig, yeah. Was this where this happened? That's what, yeah, as we were like... Because the loadout isn't bad, is it? You no, just, no, you no, go it's down, easy. You go off the stage yeah. and you go through the door. But I saw you lifting that off the stage in Leicester also. I lifted it onto the stage in Leicester, yeah. But that was only a, it's only a small stage. Oh, that's true, that's true. Was it Waterloo I was standing beside you? Were you lifted it off then? And I thought, yeah. and, oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm picture. I'm visualising the step now. You see where you fell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes down, doesn't it? It does, yeah. it does. That could have been quite dangerous. Luckily, Collie was there to take the brunt of the force. Yeah, I, don't could have... I, I don't care if you hurt yourself. It's the fucking case. I'm the case about. or the van. It oh, could have taken the van out. <laughs> van when I ended up down in the pleasure beach somewhere. I was so embarrassed. I just walked up. 
Everyone had just been like cooing, like, ooh, he's so strong. Oh, yeah, look at him. You can be my personal bodyguard. Look at him, he's huge. And then stacked it right at the end. <laughs> really sorry about that, dudes. Racked my back. Yeah. Well, Waterloo's a good gig. You know, there's a lot of places in England now, on the UK, on this circuit, so to speak. There's a lot of really great venues. Mm. I think Waterloo is right up there. As for new venues, new venues, you know? In my opinion. I've played every fucking venue there is to play <laughs> in the UK. There's a, there's a nice thing where the venue takes care of you. Yes. And the stage is good, the sound is good. Yes. A lot of the times it's when people, the owners, l- like music. Mm. Well, that's the venues. Those venues are the popular venues. Yeah. You know, those venues you'll see in everyone's tour roster. You know, you'll see places like the Waterloo, the, there's the rescue rooms. Yeah, yeah. Places that are, you know, music venues that people are passionate about music and they will take care of the bands. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you know they try their best with the, the bands, you know, to make sure that even down to simple things like a few bottles of water in the dressing yeah. room. That all, it makes a huge difference to the bands. Even when we did Whitchurch on our last run, mm. and that's only a small venue, mm. you know, but the owner is there mm-hmm. and he's watching the bands mm. and he, he does all the bookings as well. So he's booking you because he likes, yes, he likes music. Yes. And, um, and, he and those, are, those are the venues that, that will get good audiences as yeah. well because the guy, you know, the person who's booking the bands or the person who's running the club, if they're passionate about music, it's not just about getting people to the bar to buy drinks. Of course it is. It helps, but yeah. that's not the be all and end all for them. No, they're into music. They want, you know, a, a scene. Mm. Especially when the bar in Waterloo is the biggest bar I think I've ever seen. You're it's right. huge, isn't it? That great big. Oh new yeah, show. yeah, 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 yeah. <coughs> yeah, but you know that that place has run well though. Yeah. You know, the guy, he's a musician himself. He knows the. Is it, oh, is he? Oh, well, he. I, I, don't, I don't think he plays as much as he used to, but he, you know, back in the day, yeah, he'd yeah. been like us. Just that always like, helps, I find, yeah, you know, if yeah. someone knows a bit of. And he's really passionate, and he's getting really good, really, really good bands in there. Yeah. You know, when we first played a few years ago, it was like, oh, fuck, like Blackpool, really? Yeah. Why is Blackpool yeah. on the schedule? Like, really? Uh, the only time I've been there before was on a stag do. Yeah. And I walked around the place mm. just thinking, you know, I'm never coming here again. Yeah. So when you get into the bar, and you, you, as soon as you walk in, it just it makes you feel welcome. It looks good. Yeah, it looks the part. It's a different place. You're not in Blackpool when you go. No, in there. when you get in there, you could be anywhere. You could yeah. be in anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter. You know. And he's he's got all these great bands playing there. He's got, you know, he even had pre-pandemic. He had Tom Kiefer from Cinderella mm. was was scheduled to play there, but obviously for reasons we know, yeah. it didn't happen. But he's had Buck Cherry play there, he's had Terrorvision play there, he's had, you know... Even when we were, that night, well, your gig, but we were playing there, mm. there were bands that we'd met outside mm. that were there. I think Bastet was one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they were there yeah, just because yeah. they like going there. Yeah, yeah. Thing, which is... it's, great, it's a great venue. But there's lots of those type of venues around the UK at the minute too. You know, there, there definitely is really, really good venues. You know, since obviously... Obviously, since I've been in England, meeting you and meeting other people in this area who musicians who didn't even know existed, and there's lots of talented people, so you know they're going to be spreading their wings, so yeah. to speak. You know, it seemed difficult to get on the circuit. That's what was the toughest. Mm. The toughest step is to get into that crowd, because I think you 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 walk a line of playing the shit gigs. Mm. 
But right. everyone does them, though. I mean, yeah, everyone does them, but you walk that line of three years of doing those shit gigs. Yeah. And if you can get through that as a band together... Yeah. If you can get through without, you know, killing each other or <coughs> yeah. dropping a flight case on your... <laughs> on yourself. On your van. On your tour manager, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then, and you can get to that onto that circuit and start doing tours. That's That feels like the first breaking point. I think, yeah, and it, it's sticking together with the mentality of everyone in the band having the same goal. Yeah. You know, if there's, if there's, if, if it's a five-piece band and there's three people in the band have a similar goal and two are, two are dead weight, you know, that are just kind of showing up for rehearsals, just kind of showing up for gigs and are never enthusiastic and don't really take part in the other workings of the band, it's very, very difficult. A bad member is... A nightmare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's like every you know, a bad member can hold a band back. Yeah, a bad manager can hold a band back. A bad agent can hold a band back. You know, sometimes it's better to have none of those things. You know, when people don't say, "Oh, I love an agent." Or, I want, an, I want a manager. I want a manager. Yeah, yeah. Was, you know, mm, do you really? Do you know? Do you, really? do you know what a manager does for starters? That's yeah. the thing. A, ba- a band came to me just before the pandemic and said, "They were recording songs with me," and they said. We want you to manage us. Mm. And I said, what is it that you think that I can give you? That you can't do yourself? Yeah. And they were like, well, you you know, you can you can talk to people, you can book us gigs and things like that. Uh, that's all things you can do. It's like, how, how many of you in the band are doing that? Yeah. Like, why can't you, all four of you can go out and do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't just be one of you doing yeah. the booking or, you know, or going out. And- a, manager, a manager can only help you... In my opinion and in my experience, a manager will only ever be of any value to your band when it's something that you just cannot do yourselves mm. anymore. And it's at a level that it's just overwhelming for you and that it's, you're not sure how do you go about it. Yeah. You know, like, for instance, getting a record deal or something, you know, something, you know, not that record deals are important anymore, but back in the day they were. So it was very difficult to get a record deal without a good manager. Because the manager would introduce you into that place, into yeah. that you know, and they would they would just because the nature of a managerial work for bands would know a lot of A and R guys and record company guys and journalists and this that and the other, so they were the kind of missing link between the band and the. It's next like a middleman, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. linking you to the right you know, people, facilitator, so, yeah, yeah, a facilitator, work, yeah. yes. So you know, if a manager can introduce you to these people, mm. that's what a manager can do. They can also introduce you to or deal with agents because agents you know historically don't really want to be dealing with the band directly themselves Mm. because as we all know bands can be very difficult to work with to put (laughs) mildly you know egotistically you know we want this and we want that and an agent's not interested in that you know once a good though having that having the the need you know we want to do this Mm. But that's a plan. That's, that's yeah. about having a plan. Yeah. You know, a band, like like I said to you when I first met you, when you, you gave me your CD, which was fucking awesome, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Still listen to it. <laughs> um, one of the first things I said to you was, well, what's your plan? Yeah. What is your next 18 months plan? And the reason why I said that to you was because of what my manager said to me back in the day was, well, what's your plan, Phil? And I was like, well, duh, duh, duh. Yeah. I don't have a plan. I don't know what do you mean. What what do you mean a plan? I want to play gigs, and I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to record songs. And they go, yeah, well, that's all well and good, but who's going to hear these songs? Mm. 
who's going to come to your shows. I think, actually... You know, if you've got a plan, and you, even the loose workings of a plan, a manager can help you correlate that into a direction. Yeah. And that... That's when, when I think when people say I want a manager, mm. what they actually want is to be held accountable. No, when people say they want a manager, they want someone to do everything else for them. Well, okay. Well, the re- the realistic reason why you should want a manager is because you want to be held accountable. Because the four people in the band, mm. let's say, aren't doing the work, mm. and if a manager comes in and says you need to do the work, mm. you know, yeah, absolutely. And especially this day and age when everything is on the internet. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's so easy. You got a phone in your hands, haven't <sighs> you? Yeah. You know. Back in the 90s, you wouldn't remember the 90s. I remember the 90s. I remember the 90s, but I was... Uh... In a nappy. <laughs> <laughs> in the 90s, I was in a field with 80,000 other people watching Guns N' Roses. Well, yeah, okay, you know? I wasn't, yeah. You know what I mean? But back in the 90s, before the internet, you know, you discovered new music in only a... You know, there was a handful of ways. Mm. You know, you either bought Kerrang! magazine, Metal Hammer magazine... And it used to be Hit Parader, Enemy, uh, Rip magazine, Raw in the UK. You know, those were the rock. Just publications, basically. Publications yeah. on, on the radio, you know, Tommy Rance's Friday yeah. Night Rock Show. That was it. That's how you discovered new bands. You know, the band Skid Row. I, I don't know if you know who Skid yeah, Row yeah. Well, At that time with um, Sebastian Bach. So, the first time I ever heard of Skid Row was on a television programme called The Power Hour. It was straight... It was on ITV at four o'clock on a Saturday morning. Four, Friday night, four o'clock in the morning. It was on for an hour, The Power Hour, obviously. Mm. But 18 in Life come on. Their song, 18 in Life. No one had ever heard of Skid Row in the UK until that night. Played 18 in Life. And like six months later, later Skid Row playing Wembley Arena. That kind of thing wouldn't happen now. No, no. But, having said that, the reason why that wouldn't happen now is because music is so easy to access. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and gigs are easy accessible now as well with YouTube and, you know, any other streaming platform you like. We, yeah, did you do any streaming during the pandemic? I think we did, um, I think we did, we didn't do, like, a live stream thing. I think we put a couple of videos together. You did something with New Wave of Classic Rock, didn't you? yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we did, we did, we did, we did. Uh, I think I did like a couple of acoustic things. You did one where there was loads of rock bands performing one song, didn't you? Yes, that was for the classic rock release CD thing. That, yeah, it was like it was Massive Wagons have a, have a pretty popular song. Yeah. So it was a, it was a, like a redo of that. And everyone was performing on it. Yeah, everyone yeah. like took yeah. a line sung a line in the song and they added it together and stuff and it was like there was like 42 bands or whatever it was you know what the song was called Tokyo something uh, yeah I watched it the other day as well and I can't remember mm. great song yeah great band it was a good party song the, re- the reason to come back to worst gigs yeah we started doing live streaming during the pandemic oh, yeah but that got really old really quickly. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, the numbers. I mean, it started with the first one of ours got 10k views. Wow. Which was amazing for yeah. us, you know. You, you imagine being playing a stage to 10,000 people. It'd be, be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But playing <laughs> playing to a phone is a bit different, isn't it? Is, it, it is a, the 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 connection. Yeah. Is, you know, the gigs when you actually do a proper gig, the connection with the audience is what drives the gig. 
Yeah, which so is, when you're doing it into a three-inch camera, it's not the same. Yeah. And that, I mean, there there were some really good ones though. Yeah, but for me, that was probably by the end of it because we tried to do ten weeks of mm, it, mm. and by the end of it, the last one sort of got three hundred views, and it was a bit like. Yeah, but everyone started doing it though. Yeah, you know? and then you know it was okay when bands at our, at our level were doing it. It was a novelty and it was a good way of getting your name out there and things. But then, you know, all the bigger artists started doing it. Yeah, and when and they've they got all the their, crew, and yeah, the, yeah. The professional, professionally lit and yeah. cameras and everything. It was just like it was, you were just dwarfed. Yeah, you were just noise, basically. You, yeah, you, you, on the internet, it's really hard to fight yeah. with the big people. Yeah, uh, the one in particular I really liked though was. Um, you know, when bands strip it down and do it acoustically. Yeah. Like, and Miles Kennedy from Motorbridge and Slash did Even what, still, Miles Kennedy's... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That. But, yeah, he shoots, but he did, he did you know, an acoustic thing from his home, like in his little room like this at home and mm. wherever he lives. Yeah. It, it was really good. On a Sunday night, you know, when we go to Emma Buckley's open yeah, mic yeah, night, yeah. she was doing open mic night on the internet. Really? And people would take turns to take over the live stream yeah. and sing songs. Yeah. Uh, we quite enjoyed it. Me and a couple of mates, we'd log on and watch it. Um, but it got to the point where everyone was just hammering people in the comments. And it was like... You're shit! Well, it wasn't even like that. It was like your friends in a room, you know, a couple of miles down the road. Yeah. And you're talking to them while someone's trying to perform. You know, like you're you're just talking shit with each other, yeah. yeah. While someone is is on this it's live, like boys, yeah. boys, <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I know. That is worse than mm. probably playing a gig and and there's a load of people in the audience just talking. Well, see, when you're talking about worst gigs ever, the internet again is another uh, fuel to the fire type thing because if there's a bad venue, mm. you're not treated well, or it's a bad gig, or the audience doesn't. All it takes is one person to go on yeah. and slate that venue on the internet anonymously, you know, with keyboard warriors, and it can ruin... It can you don't even have to do it. I mean, I was doing, I was doing like, venue reviews <gasps> after gigs. Wow. Most, I mean, most of it was in a positive light, to yeah. be honest. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was for the younger generation who wanted to gig and wanted mm. to know more about stuff. Mm. And it was just saying, you know... What, like, even younger than you? Well, I mean, okay, the the next, you know, yeah. the next people who are trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, are trying to achieve, you know, the goal or whatever. Yeah. And um, there was one particular one. There was a there was an old place in Nottingham called the Maze. Okay. And you probably would have never played the Maze, but the the stage was, you know, like a one inch riser in the corner of the room. The whole place, you know, was just covered in stickers and mm. posters. But those venues sometimes can be the best, though. They can be, but I mean, every time I've ever played there, in a ten-year span, it, there was like one person in the audience every time. Well, okay. Um, and then this particular time we played, you know, we just—it was one of the ones where you just play into the bands and your girlfriends, hmm. you know. And uh, the sound engineer, there was a the problem with whatever I was doing. There was a problem, and the sound engineer just walked out. <laughs> he just left the room. Okay. And I was—I was sort of down the mic going, "I've." Oh, where have you gone? I've got a problem. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he sort of wandered back in five, ten minutes later and I was like, got, you? got time to fix this problem now? <laughs> and so, yeah, so I did my gig review, which which was, you know, venue, great. Soundman was a dick. Soundman walked out, yeah. Anyway, the, the uh, people were following these, yeah. these threads that I was doing. Yeah, yeah. And um, the bloke who owned the pub 
got in contact with me <laughs> and said, what happened? And I said, look, OK, look, this is what happened. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not snitching on the guy. Yeah. Everyone that night was unhappy. And uh, he said, all right, we'll have words with him. I don't know what happened to him personally. Yes. But I do know that venue is now shut down. <laughs> So, so you ruined. I don't think venue. I. Should, no, I don't think you I ruined the venue. Down, That's one less venue on the UK circuit yeah, because, because of, of Ed. Yeah. Well done, Ed. But they were, you know, they were the classic independent music venue. Mm. Well, you know, if you go to worst gigs, worst venues, every venue, you know, every venue's got its own merits. Mm. You know, like one of the the. Well, I don't know. Without sound disparaging. But uh, some of the dive bar venues are the best venues. Yeah, and they they can totally be saved by things like a good sound engineer yeah. or, like, a good crowd. The Underworld in Camden yeah, is a perfect example. You walked in, you know, uh, we saw rats coming out of the dressing room <laughs> with shoes on. They were the sport band. <laughs> they were cleaning. They cleaned their feet coming out of the dressing room. You know, it was that dirty. But it was, you know, you walked in and it was signatures and band logos on every wall and there's stickers it's black it's dark the mirrors are broken you know yeah the toilets like the doors don't shut oh yeah. oh I got, I got a story <laughs> yeah. so so we're playing in Chicago this time mm. okay so me and Brian you know we're in America on a tour bus it's amazing living the dream blah 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 so we've stopped to play at this this venue in Chicago, which is a pretty it's like a sports bar type thing. Yeah. But it's it's a great venue, got a great stage, the production's great, lights, sound, everything's great. Anyway. So <laughs> we had a few Guinness. And Guinness is like a kind of a let's just say it it triggers your digestive system. It's got a lot of iron in it. It's got yeah. a lot of iron in it, yeah. and your iron needs to go somewhere and it wants out of your body yeah. relatively fast <laughs> sometimes. So Brian and I at the same time decided we both needed to use the the restroom as they call it. Mm. So we go in, and they call them stalls over there. Yeah, yeah. So we go into the Brian goes into the stall, but the door won't close. So we're in Chicago. And it's America, and we're we're two green Irish men. <laughs> and we're thinking we're going to get stabbed here. Yeah, you know or whatever. So Brian goes, "Dude, would would you?" mind holding Watching the door it, yeah. for me so you picture the scene Brian's in the in the crapper I'm standing outside holding the door and this guy's coming in to use the urinals and I'm going nothing to see here just move along nothing to see here I'm holding the door it's like this is pervert number one here. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean so he's done and he's finished and he's all relieving it and he goes he watches the sands and he's like dude where are you going I go, I got to use the bath. You, you got to hold the door for me? And he goes, no. And walked out. <laughs> <laughs> so. we, we had one like that in, I think it was Manchester. You met, you met my friend Matt Peach yes. a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And uh, we were doing a gig. Manchester's a great town for music. It's Yeah. It's a really cool place. And mm. we were in, I think they call it like the the arts corner or something. Mm. There's like a a particular part of Manchester where, you know, like the students gather and, mm. and musos and whatever gather there. Anyway, we're downstairs, and the, the toilets are downstairs, and there's one cubicle, or there's two cubicles, one, one of the doors doesn't shut, okay. and the other one does shut and locks. But the way it locks, it's one of those slidey ones. Yes. And the slidey bit comes out. Okay. Um, Peach had obviously gone to do his thing there, and uh, he, he slid the bit out, and he came upstairs, he said, if anyone needs the loo... Here's the handle. I've got the lock. 
So we all we all took turns in uh, in holding on to the oh, lock. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this was year. This was like five or six years ago. A couple of weeks later, he's rummaging through his base case. And his phone's the lock. <laughs> he pulls the lock out. Yeah. <laughs> Says if we ever go back to that bar, I can't remember what it's called, but if we ever go back to that bar in Manchester, yeah, oh shit, <laughs> we can use the toilets. Yeah, yeah. like I was saying earlier about you know worst gigs. Sometimes the worst gigs aren't even the actual performing part. Sometimes it's the uh, it's the overall vibe and you know things that happen throughout the gig. You know the band can play up great and mm. it can be a great night and the audience are responsive, whatever, whatever, whatever. But like I said, uh, I was telling you about the time we played in, in Waterloo, I uh, and the guy, the bar guy, kept bringing drinks up to the stage. Oh yeah, and it was Jägermeister, and the Jägermeister was the new thing back then. It was like how, how back then are we talking? Oh, you're talking fifteen years ago, right? So Jägermeister was the new thing. Yeah, you know, and everyone was trying Jägermeister, and it was, wow, geez, this shit is this is this is the this is the shit. But anyway, so a couple of guys in my band are you know at that point were champion drinkers. You know, they fucking champion drinkers. That's what happens when you're young, isn't it? Yeah, you know, they could drink for Ireland. So uh, throwing Jägermeister and it was no big deal, you know. So. The guy, anyway, so the, the bar guy kept bringing up these drinks and he's going, man, these are awesome, these are great, keep playing, it's great, the crowd loving these, fantastic. we're going, wow, this is great, drinks all night. Finished the show, and the guy who had been drinking, bringing us up drinks all night brings up the bar tab. And he charged you for all the... All the drinks were being billed. <laughs> How much was the bill? $600. Oh. So we thought, you know, we thought this is a great bar. Can't wait to come back play free drinks all night. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 six hundred dollars. So we're like, we were getting a hundred dollars for the show. So we were at another five hundred dollars. <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> at that point, we had just employed employed new management who had come on tour with us. and They were English, so they footed the bill. They were not happy. Yeah, but they were not happy. I bet. You know, I. Uh... <coughs> I always read the small print. I did the opposite of that actually once. <laughs> the opposite? I was. Um, I was. You paid for all your drinks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing a beer festival. I was playing guitar for a guy called Lil Jim. Okay. Who plays like a s- squeeze box thing, sort of like swampy, C sixteen kind of. Yeah, a bit, a bit sort of on that level, I guess. And it was a beer festival. We were in a great big tent, huge tent. Massive stage, we were on the stage obviously playing. We're the only band on, they just mm. had us on doing like a you know, hour and a half set or whatever. Loads of people there, and round the outside of the tent was all different beer stalls, like okay. independent sellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lil Jim, the lead guy, he's huge, he's like seven foot. With a name like Lil Jim, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he was going, you know, Burton Brewery, we love you guys, we think you're the best beer ever. So then uh, they brought four beers to the stage, uh, put them on the stage. Okay. After the next song, you know, Derby Brewery, we think you're the best beer in the world, we think you're amazing. They bring four. End of the night, there's probably 30 or 40 pints of all different beer on the stage. I mean, you, could, you couldn't get through it. Yeah. But we tried. <laughs> but, but it was free. It was free, yeah. yeah was free. Right. That See, that's the good thing, thing. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. And all because they all got a shout-out on the mic. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they probably turn their glass around with a little logo yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that? <laughs> but you think, I mean, you think the rule generally is don't put a beer on the stage, usually. That's another, that's a pet peeve of mine as well, is, you know, when I see musicians, you know, especially drummers, you know, they'll have an open... 
you know, like a pint, just sat beside them on the floor. That's not, the drummer's not too bad. The drummer's out of the way, usually. Yeah, but, you know, they're doing their feet thing with their cymbal oh, and, they, and their... They stand up and knock yeah, it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and there's some venues, some venues specifically... Say so don't have the drinks. Don't have an open, open drink, you know? Yeah. You know, and sometimes you see guitar players, and you, I can always tell the the newbies, you know. So, being a singer and a guitar player, you, you, you after a while you learn that a sports bottle with the sports top yeah. is the easiest, most efficient way because you can lift it really quick, slug it, set it down, and it's not going to spill, right? So you can always spot the new guitar players because they'll come on with a leader bottle, screw top. Sitting down, and they have to take their both hands off the guitar, lift the bottle up like this, <laughs> set it down again to get back to play guitar. Whereas if you just got the little, you know, still do your solo like Eddie Van Halen and drink away at the same time and put it down, you know, just little tips like that. You learn all these little things. Yeah, I've never learned that because I still have a full pint of beer on top of my amp. Okay, Richie Sambora. <laughs> <laughs> full pint on top of your amp. That it never seems to bother me. But, ah, then you know what the problem is, though. I've never spilled it on the amp. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And your amp's not up loud enough to vibrate it yet that for it to fall it, into yeah. your valves. When that well, happens the first time, I guarantee you'll never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we'll round off this episode of The Weekly Howl. The Weekly Howl with attending. I know this is not really the politically correct thing to do, but your worst gig that you've ever been to this. For a band, a, oh. a name band. A name band? And the reasons why it was the worst gig ever. Mm. My worst gig is probably, would be the flip side of one of your best gigs. Because I remember seeing Guns N' Roses at Reading, at Leeds Festival about ten years ago. You mean Axel and his I mean Axel, yeah. not It wasn't really Guns N' Roses. Mm. It, was, it was Axel coming on an hour late. Okay. Still wanting to do his three costume changes. Yeah. And probably only playing... 20 minutes. Wow. And then they shut the stage off. <coughs> but did they not sit down on the drum racer and play a few songs thinking everyone could hear them? They tried to do that, yeah. <coughs> that didn't yeah. work. That was a pretty bad one. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think he's changed his ways recently, hasn't he? He seems to be back on the horse. He's back on the horse because, you know, when the money runs dry, you got to play a ball. <laughs> you know? So if you're getting three million a show now, you're going to pull your shit Yeah, down, that's probably know? right. And he's got Duff and he's got Slash and they're not going to take any shit. Yeah. You know? What was your worst gig? Worst gig. It's the same, you know, everyone's, for all the years I've been going to gigs, and it was, the, the, the disappointing thing about it was, I was looking forward to seeing this artist. Someone you so, like. Oh, yeah, that, man. Yeah, that's bad, isn't I, it? Like, I really loved him. I thought, mm. this is going to be awesome. I've been looking forward to the show for months and months and months. <laughs> Went to the show and I was bored. It was like watching paint dry. Ugh. It was awful. Are you going to say who it is? Yeah, Alanis Morissette. Really? Yeah, and then like I lo- that first. You were album. excited to see Alanis Morissette. Oh, a jagged little pill, man! It, it was like it was off the chain at that point. But it was Plus, just boring. You know, Taylor Hawkins was in the band originally. Yeah. So it gave it a whole different dynamic to what it ended up being because obviously he fucked off to the Foo Fighters. Mm. But he was our, our drummer at, the point, at that point, and I'd saw a few live performances, and it was so exciting and so. It was like the shit. Yeah, yeah. By the time on that tour, then I think it was like a, an album or two later. It was just a lack of energy and yeah, and the crowd were, weren't feeling the vibe. You know, the sound was fine. It was in Dublin, Ireland. 
yeah. in the old Point Theatre, which held like eight, nine thousand people. It was just so boring. She was boring. She'd done the same move. Every time. Every single song. The, the musicians were clearly hired. Yeah. And the session players, they just weren't into the vibe at all. Mm. You know? It was really, really disappointing. Disappointing. And, what, and on the other hand, one of the best gigs I've ever been to that I wasn't expecting much from at all was Pearl Jam. Really? Really good, yeah. Oh, man, unbelievable. You know, Aerosmith were the first band I ever saw live. Back in 89, on the Pump Tour, and they were like, it was like mind-blowing. Height of their career. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was right bang in the middle of loving an elevator. Yeah. It was that whole era. You know, they were absolutely amazing. For guys who were in their 40s at that point, they were kicking ass. Yeah, yeah. Kicking ass, big time. Pearl Jam... Wasn't expecting much because I wasn't a grunge fan at all. But I just wanted to see Pearl Jam because they were on the list yeah, of bands yeah. to see. You know, with Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. You wanted to see that whole era. You want to see Pearl Jam and they were just absolutely unbelievable. Energy. You know, connection. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Everything about them it was just... And, you know, they a, what I really liked about them, they were playing on a fucking huge stage. But instead of using the full stage, you know, with walls of marshals, yeah, yeah. everything was compact. They could have easily set up in this be- in this room. Yeah, yeah. And that's all they used of the stage. Just a small amount. Just a small yeah. amount. And they used that. It was it was phenomenal. And it's good when they use it well as well. Yeah. And Eddie Vedder was just like, I know a lot of people don't like Eddie Vedder's voice, but there's just something about that guy. I would like to say to any of our viewers then, please leave a comment with your worst gig story. Worst gig story and best gig story. And but yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about some good gigs down the line. Yeah, some gigs. Yeah, that we've done. <laughs> I'm doing too. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Ed. See you next week. See you next week. Be safe. Be safe. <laughs>